Well, amen, friends. Uh, it's days like this I'm reminded uh, that as Christians, we really are just beggars telling other beggars where to find bread. And so we're starting a new series uh, called Everyday Disciples. So if you're just joining us for your first time, welcome. Uh, we're going to do a seven-week series on what it means to follow Christ in our everyday life. And uh, what better word than to hear the words of Jesus to us this morning about anxiety and worry and taking it day by day. Uh, so with that, grab your Bibles. If you have it, go to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at three passages today. We're looking at Matthew chapter 6, uh, two sections, and then we're going to go to Luke chapter 9 very briefly. Uh, before we jump in, I need to dismiss the kids. So kids, if you're in the room, you can head out with Miss Joy, and you'll be back by the end of the service. So you guys are headed out to jumpstart. And... Uh, you know, it's a different week, so I'm going to ask you to do something different right now. I would like you, uh, if you're willing and comfortable, I'm actually going to read these passages to you, and I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes this morning. And when I get done, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and y'all are going to sound out, uh, thanks be to God. But, you know, close your eyes, hear the words of Jesus to us. This is Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. He tells you, Christian, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spend, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Later on, Jesus teaches us that when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will endure forever. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Would you be seated and let's pray and keep that Bible open in front of you. Now, Father, with heavy hearts, uh, we come before you. Many of us have uh, been evacuated and then unevacuated and then evacuated. 
Uh, Lord, we know friends and family, uh, people in our church who have lost everything. Uh, Lord, how long? Um, How much more can we suffer? Uh, Lord, teach us what it means to follow you daily, to take up our cross daily, and to cast all of our anxieties onto you because you care for us. Holy Spirit, we need you to do that even now. Amen. Uh, so how are we going to get through these days, right? I mean, how, how, really, how are we going to get through these days? Uh, well, I think the only really way uh, that we're supposed to get through these days, and I think the way that God would command us to get through these days and teach us and show us, is really to embrace this idea of everyday discipleship. Uh, or, you know, if you unpack the word everyday, you know, everyday can mean sort of ordinary. You know, I'm just an everyday pastor, an everyday mom, you know, everyday, you know, coworker. You know, it has a sense that it's ordinary. But then, of course, there's a sense that everyday means daily, day after day after day. And all throughout creation, I mean, God is teaching us exactly what it means to take life in the good and in the bad day by day. So really, I'm going to try to keep it as simple as I can this morning. So my first point to you this morning is what you and I need to do, no matter whether you've lost everything or you have, you know, survivor's guilt and you haven't lost things, so you feel guilty. Uh, you know, we're all going through the land of affliction right now, right? We're all, we were already suffering and going through a bad year before this past week. We're all in the land of affliction. But the way that you and I are going to work through this is going by day by day, taking it one day at a time. So that's my simple point. And really this morning is just going to be an unpacking of what I mean by that and how Jesus specifically uh, would explain what it means to take life day by day and then also how he empowers us to get through life day by day. So take it one day at a time. Uh, So I mean, if you think about the way that God has created this world, he's communicating to us um, through his words specifically, but God also communicates to us through his creation. Uh, you know, we, it's the book of creation, right? We can read the book of creation, right? So if you think about the way that God set up this world right back, way back in Genesis, right? Uh, God set up the world so that every day there would be a period of time when there's the sun out and we would work. And then God made a lesser light when we would rest and take it easy, And then in the very beginning, God set up the week so that six days we would work, and on the seventh day, we would rest. Uh, So really, from the very beginning of creation, the way that you are designed by God is to take life day by day. That's all we really have, right? And so it's no surprise that God wove that into creation, the very first page of the Bible. Uh, It shouldn't surprise us then when God's people uh, escape out of slavery in Egypt. You know, if you go back to the book of Exodus, God is trying to teach people how to live like freed people. He's freed them from slavery to Egypt, and he brings them on the quest to the promised land, to the place where they will have ultimate rest, right? And when they get there, and as on their journey to get there, right, God provides miraculous food, manna, right? Maybe you've heard that word before. And if you remember anything about manna, you only could take manna for the day. It wouldn't keep overnight, Right? It was an object lesson for God's people, right? that they were supposed to trust God to provide everything I need for today. You know, there were no prepper uh, cabinets in the Exodus. right? You had to trust God to get me through today. Right? God wove that into creation in Genesis 1. He reinstilled it into the minds and the hearts of his people for 40 years in the wilderness. And then fast forward to Jesus's life when God became a human and entered the world that he created to redeem it from sin. 
and to forgive us of all of the wrong things that you and I have done. When, when Jesus entered this world, when he taught us to pray, what are the things he reminds us of? He says, pray, our Father, give us daily bread, bread sufficient for today. Um, Jesus is reminding us to learn the lesson from the ancient days, to trust God day by day. And that happens in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew when he says that. And then, of course, as I just read earlier, uh, Jesus uh, tells us how to tackle anxiety and worry. And I know there's this irony that if you're experiencing anxiety, the, the irony about struggling with anxiety, right, um, the, the inability to be present. That's one way you could define anxiety, the inability to be present. You know, you're kind of shell-shocked. You're constantly worried, right? It's like background noise is going on. Uh, the, the irony about being anxious, right, is that talking about your anxiety raises your anxiety, right? So don't talk to me about it because I don't want to deal with it. Because when I even think about it, it just raises my anxiety, right? So what does Jesus tell us to do? Well, Jesus tells us through a bunch of questions all through Matthew 6, like I just read, to look to the book of creation. Did you catch that? He says, consider the birds. They have what they need. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Learn the lesson from the birds. If, if they can have food, so can you. And aren't you made in the image of God? Aren't you worth more than birds? Aren't you worth more than grass? Well, you are because you and I, every human you've ever met, we're all made in God's image and we're all called by God to have a relationship with him. And so Jesus actually points to the book of creation. He says, if birds can get through it, so can you. And then he says, and don't worry so much about fashion and your clothes, right? And then he sort of makes a swipe at King Solomon. Uh, king Solomon was the richest Israelite king of all time. He dressed up really, really, uh, you know, amazingly, I guess. He had a lot of great clothes. And Jesus says, look, a, a flower is more beautiful than the best-dressed human you've ever seen. And flowers don't even last. What's the book of creation teaching you? Well, of course, I think if we... Look at this week. Well, what's the book of creation teaching us? Well, I mean, what does fire really teach us? Uh, one, I think we can learn that fire, uh, the removal of things shows us exactly what is important in life. I mean, anybody here hug your family a little bit more closely this week? Anyone here sort of reassess the purpose and the meaning of your life? Anyone here look at your possessions a little bit differently? Jesus says, don't store up treasures in this world because moth and rust and fire, they'll all destroy it. The only place that lasts is in heaven. Uh, you are an eternal soul. Have you developed and grown your soul? Uh, the other thing I think that fire does, and maybe you've seen those pictures, right, of the houses um, in Phoenix and town that are just, born, just you know, destroyed down to the foundation, right? Fire exposes exactly what the foundations of our life look like, right? I mean, it just lays it all bare. What is this, the foundation, the rock of my life? And Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, build your life upon the rock. And Jesus is the rock. So when you, you and I see pictures of foundations laid bare, I mean, houses can be rebuilt. But what are we building our lives on? What are we trusting in? You see, to understand how to, how to view this life, I think we have to hear more clearly the voice of Jesus saying, take it one day at a time. God communicates inerrantly through his word, and he's also speaking to us right now. And maybe he's speaking to you in different ways and in more profound ways. But I think the, the ultimate answer that Jesus gives when we look at this is right there in verse 34. 
you know, he's, he says, let me make this really simple, right? I mean, I love that the God of the universe says this. Now look at verse 34. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And part of the reason why I love that so much is because Christianity, um, really in the face of pretty much every other religion, is dead honest with suffering in this world. Um, it, is, it acknowledges suffering for what it is. It does not say it's an imagination. It does not place guilt on you for being connected to physical things. Um, it doesn't say remove desire or connection to this world. What Christianity says is, yes, there are reasons to be anxious and reasons to worry, but trust in me. Build your life upon the rock and I will get you through this. It doesn't dismiss our sufferings. It doesn't dismiss our afflictions. It doesn't say, well, some people have it worse than you, so stop complaining. What Christianity says is, yes, there are reasons to be worried today, but take it day by day, and I will provide everything that you need. I provided for you in the wilderness, in the exodus, and I will provide for you now. And Jesus says, make sure your focus is God's kingdom, being a part of his community, his people, where he is the king. And God will supply everything that you need. So part of taking life day by day, right, means simply doing that, looking at life and understanding that you're going to have a lot of reasons to be worried tomorrow. But don't worry yet about tomorrow. Get through today. And pray to God, give me my daily bread. Get me through today. And that would be the way you can start talking to your spouse, uh, your kids, your extended family. Take it day by day. Okay, the, we, we know the things we got to get done this week, but don't worry about tomorrow. Today has plenty of trouble. <laughs> That's what Jesus says. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. So what does it really mean to take it day by day? Well, uh, Jesus is going to put a different spin on that. Uh, than just simply, you know, okay, great, I'll take life day by day. I get it, you know, I understand that concept. Uh, but that's not really the Christian understanding of what it means to take life day by day. Because Jesus is going to sort of double click. He's going to sort of press in on this point. And actually what Jesus is going to say is that you and I, if you want to follow Jesus Christ, if you want to be right with God, if you want to live forever with him, to be a real Christian, you have to follow him. You have to follow him. Jesus says it this way in Luke chapter 9. He said to all, Luke 9, 23, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a person if they gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their soul? I mean, what apt words today to reassess? What, what is it if you gain everything in this life, yet you lose your soul? And I mean, that's what you are. I know you're just sitting in a cushioned chair right now in a church, but you're an eternal soul. I mean, that is who you are. You have a body and you are an eternal soul made in God's image. And God is not dismissive of your suffering. He acknowledges it and offers a way to get through it. And what Jesus says is he says, you have to follow me. Today, not tomorrow, today, follow me. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Well, what does it mean to take up a cross? Well, it means just look behind me. There is a cross 
behind me. When Jesus took up his cross, what that meant was Jesus was going to embrace hardship as part of his life. Part of God's call on Jesus' life was that he was going to have to embrace hardship. He was going to have to embrace suffering. He was going to be rejected by people, abandoned by his best friends. He was going to be pierced, not because he did anything wrong, but pierced because we all did things wrong and are doing things wrong and will do things wrong. Yet it was God's will to punish him on a cross so that you and I would never have to be punished ever again. You see, Jesus gave up many things in this life to take up that cross. Jesus never had a wife. Jesus never had kids. As far as we know, Jesus never went to Hawaii on vacation. Jesus says he has nowhere to lay his head. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Foxes even have holes. The birds have nests, right? Jesus is pointing to the book of creation, right? And yet what he says, even though animals have a place to sleep, I don't have a place to call my home. Jesus embraced the hard call of God on his life. And then he has the audacity to turn around on the path of life and call you and me to take up our cross and to follow him, to embrace the hard call of discipleship to learn what it means to suffer with him in the land of affliction. So I don't know, you know what plans or goals uh, you've set for your life, but part of what it means to become a Christian is you surrender all of those wonderful life plans that you've developed and all of those goals, and you surrender them at the foot of the cross. And you say, I'm yours. You know, uh, Paul says we're like soldiers. You know, it's like when we enlist, we do whatever the general says. All of our life plans, they are put on the back burner. Now, it doesn't mean God's going to give you a miserable life. What it means is Jesus is Lord and he's master and he's a good master. But there is going to be suffering and hardship, but he's going to see you through it. And why would anybody do that? Why would anybody want to follow Jesus? If that means suffering, if that means a cross. Well, friends, I think the, the, the only reason is because you have become convinced or you will become convinced that God is worth it, that God is worth it because he did it for you. And whatever we do for him, he's done so much more, so much more than anything we could ever offer to him. And at the end of the day, people want to know God. They want to know God. And so if God becomes a man and is willing to die for our sins, to come back from the dead, to show that he has the power of eternal life, whatever that guy says, I'm going to do <laughs> Whatever he says, if he says, follow me, I say, what an honor. I will walk with you. So how, do, how does Jesus make this happen? You know, how do we, how do we have the power to do this? Um, you know, I know that's a, that really is, I mean, I'm talking about becoming a Christian or walking with Christ, taking up your cross if you already are a Christian. How do you do that? You know, um, a lot of times I feel like when people talk about the gospel, it's like handing somebody a map. And then saying, well, this is where you need to go. And you say, I know that's where I need to go. I know that's the map to the destination I need to go. But I don't have any fuel in my tank. I mean, who here bought fuel in your tank this week out of panic, right? Wow, y'all handled it way better than I did. I filled up both cars this week. But following Christ, I mean, I'm not just handing you a map and say, follow him. Uh, know that the gospel is not just what to do. It's actually also the power of God within you empowering you to follow him. It's not just the map, it's the fuel in your gas tank. And the way that that works is because Jesus empowers us to follow him. And think about the way Hebrews talks about this. See if you can go there with me. 
In Hebrews chapter 10, uh, it says this, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament times, in the nation of Israel, priests used to stand and minister before altars day after day after day, offering the same sacrifices over and over again, which can never really take away sins. But when our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time, then he sat down at the place of God's right hand. And when sins have been forgiven by his one sacrifice, there is now no need for any more sacrifices. Now, friends, what Hebrews is bumping up against is the, is the idea, the movement that changes the world. And it's simply this. So many of us think that we can have a relationship with God by just taking day by day and hoping that our good outweighs our bad, right? I just hope that one day, maybe, maybe I'll do a bunch of good deeds this week, and hopefully when I stand before God, my good will outweigh my bad. You know, so we, all, we constantly, I mean, obviously, whose good outweighs their bad? We're always playing, we're trying to play catch up. Right? We're trying to catch up to do more good deeds. And maybe when, when you hear me say, I want you to take life day by day, what you're going through is a list of sacrifices to make to God to maybe atone for the bad things that you've done, to be right with God. But what the book of Hebrews says profoundly, what the good news of the gospel is, is that even the priests who were making daily sacrifices to God, even they couldn't really atone for sin. All they were doing was pointing to the one final sacrifice for sins, the Lamb of God, the high priest who didn't sacrifice an animal, who sacrificed himself for us. And so if you're trying to be right with God, all you have to do is confess Jesus as Lord and say, I can never offer enough sacrifices. If the priests in the Old Testament couldn't offer enough sacrifices to atone for our sins, how can I? I need the blood of Jesus to wash me clean. And what Hebrews says is now that Christ has died, there's no need for sacrifices. Instead, what you have is the incredible promise of forgiveness, real forgiveness, real adoption into the family of God by faith alone. Now, faith is the empty hand that receives the gift of God and his grace. You see, what the gospel does is it teaches you how to stop trying to earn your place in God's family and it's teaching you how to live like an adopted child forever who will never be sent back to the orphanage. My friends, the priests in their daily life, they couldn't atone because their ultimate goal was to point to the one who could atone for your sins. And he did. My friends, this is what it means to follow him. It means when you wake up tomorrow morning, your motivation for doing good deeds and loving your neighbors is not to atone for sin. It's, it's because you've been forgiven and forgiven people forgive people and loved people love people. I mean, friends, it's a, it's a total life change to build your life on the gospel. It's not just a map telling you to be a better person. It's actually fuel that gets you there. It's the very work of God among us. So friends, in, in closing, if you haven't become a Christian, if you need to pray, uh, know that Pastor Richard and I will be up front. Uh, we'd love to pray for you, to help you unpack that. And what a great reminder that there is no more sacrifices left because Christ has offered the ultimate sacrifice. 
And that's what we're going to remember as we take communion now, that Jesus' sacrifice put an end to the sacrifices. And he gives us his daily bread, his very flesh and blood for us. Uh, So let's pray as we get ready to take communion together this morning. Father, we thank you for the gospel, Lord, that we don't have to earn our salvation or earn our place with you or try to make our good outweigh our bad, but that you loved us despite ourselves. While we were still sinners, you died for us. And now by your Holy Spirit, you teach us what it means to take life day by day. (laughs) Father, that is what we need to learn this week, how to follow you every day. Father, we can't do this on our own, and so Holy Spirit, we ask that you would indwell us and empower us to do it. Lord, work through these communion elements for that very purpose. Amen.